When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey everybody, this is Evan Lazar and you are listening to the Patriots Beat Podcast powered by the CLNS Media Podcast Network. I am joined today by a very special guest. We'll welcome in, him in in a second. Before we do, I want to shout out our friends at betonline.ag. NFL playoffs, we got the college football championship. There's plenty of things to bet on and there's only one place that has you covered and one place we trust. Betonline.ag. Sign up today for free, a free account at betonline.ag. And use the promo code CLNS50 for your 50% welcome bonus. Don't sit on the sidelines anymore. Get in on the action. Don't forget to use that promo code CLNS50 to receive a 50% welcome bonus with your first deposit. Bet online, your online sportsbook experts. And now I get to bring in one of my favorite guests that I try to have on every offseason to set the stage for me for the Patriots. It's Miguel Benzon, a.k.a. Pat's Cat. Miguel, we've sat on a Patriot a duck boat parade float together. Oh, yeah. We've done podcasts together. So uh, it's very great to have you back on the show, my friend. Love love your work, Evan. You're killing it. You're killing it. Thank you. I appreciate that. And and for those that don't know the story, uh, the media have a float or a, a duck boat, I should say. In the, in the parade every single time the Patriots win the Super Bowl. And Miguel and I were uh, lucky enough to be on the duck boat following the uh, win over the Rams in Super Bowl 53. Uh, that's definitely still one of my favorite experiences yes. on the beat, Miguel. And I, I know that you were pumped to be on there too. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm a, I acted like a fan. I was like acting like a fan. I was going crazy. I was, I was so happy. I, I've never – it was one of the best days of my life. To be on on the, the to be in the duck boat parade right in front of the players was just awesome and see so many fans come out. I must have took over three hundred pictures, yeah. you know, that day. It's it's awesome. It was awesome. Um, it's I've said this before. I'm been, I I was I've been. More than lucky to see one live is a Super Bowl win. To have them see six in my lifetime is more is more than anyone can expected. Um, I don't, and then I'll just leave it alone like that. I I saw, <laughs> I was eating breakfast with my mother the other day, and I could hear in the restaurant some guy saying the Patriots should have won ten. I'm like. I don't, I, I don't know what you're thinking, but you, the Patriots have made it look so easy to win Super Bowls that somebody actually could say they, they should have won 10. And, and, but I'm, I'm more than happy with six. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's a good place to be happy with. And, yeah, I remember the beginning 
part of the uh, of the parade. I, I tried to to keep my cool, tried to yeah. act all reporter e and professional and everything, yep. and and not lose my mind. But by the end of the parade, the atmosphere just kind of took you over, and everybody I think was uh, was into it uh, in terms of uh, the fan and everyone. I think came out a little bit there um, as it, the parade kind of went along, and it was a day that I will definitely never forget. Right there, up there with um, covering the Super Bowl in person was probably the best day of my life. So I'll wow. put that as uh, as number two, but it was very close number two. But uh, we're going to sit here and, and hash out, hopefully, the, the next Super Bowl champ uh, for the Patriots. Obviously, coming off a 7-9 and nine season, they will not make the postseason. We all know that. But, Miguel, we are having you on because you are the perfect guy to tee up the entire offseason mm-hmm. with. And I think that everybody wants to start where we always seem to start with the Patriots in the offseason, and that's with the salary cap, especially after Bill Belichick's comments over the last couple of months saying that they were really uh, hamstrung by the cap this off this past offseason and with the 2020 team. I think that the cap now is, is more a part of the conversation than ever with Belichick putting that sort of thing in there as well. I, I think the first question that I have for you is I know that you've tweeted a bunch and everybody keeps on asking you the same question over and over again, but once and for all, break it down for me. Where does that $60.5 million estimation come from? Because obviously there are your number is more accurate than anybody else's, but there are different numbers out there for people that okay. are kind of Googling it. So, so let's talk about the 60. I say right now they got 60 and a half million cap, cap space. Right now, we, I'm using $175 million as the league 2021 league cap number. All right. They have the first official projection usually comes out in December, but the pandemic has changed that. So we should hear their first official projection later this month. Someone asked me this on Twitter. When will the exact number come out? Usually comes out. The league year starts on March 17th. It might not, we might know, the T's might know, not know the exact number until like March 5th. All right. Just a couple of weeks, a couple of days before the start of the league year. Right now I'm using 175. I've seen reports. That's what the front officers are using, 175. And anything over that is a bonus. So that let's start off with 175. Okay. The Patriots are right now going to end the cap season. As my numbers I have that are carrying over, end up carrying over $19.3 million in cap space. All right. So you add that 175 to the 19.3. Then you come to adjustments for investments. For, for, excuse me, not investments, incentives. Excuse me. <laughs> um, for example, there were players, a lot of players on the Patriots did not make their incentives, like Edelman, who they were considered likely to be earned. Um, Edelman and then, um, shoot, that was Bo, some, some of the guys, Bo Allen, all right? And then you had credits. For example, Stephen Kukowski signed with the Titans. So the Patriots had guaranteed $2 million of his 2020 salary, but he earned all that $2 million with the Titans. So that I get the credits, and we had credits from other players, like the practice squad players and et cetera. So I have over right now, this site, I'm the only one who does this. Of all the cap people who doesn't, I keep only one who keeps track of the ascenders. Right now, I have them with an over six million dollars adjustment just for that. So you add that in, right? So you got the cap number of adjusted the Patriots adjusted cap number is going to be over two hundred million dollars, right? And then they, if you add the fifty-eight players they have signed, that's total cap commitments right now is about one hundred forty. 
200 minus, 200 minus 140 is about the $60 million. All right. There you go. Yesterday they signed a whole bunch of players to future contracts. They, that didn't really change the cap number because I was anticipating they would sign all of them. So that didn't really change my cap number at all. Um, the, that's before. So if they sign a, do a deal with the league, with the TV, and it ups the cap number to, from 175 to 185, that increases the Patriots cap by that much money. All right. Cause I'm using the floor of 175. And this, I'm, we're not even talking Evan before the cuts. So, right. you know, all the opt-outs. So, so the 60 is really, really a good number to be at. Now you'd asked me in, a, in the email about where this stands, like in terms for the Cape Patriots. Right. This in terms of percentage wise of the cap, this might be the highest percentage of free cap space as of, as of now. All right. 2017, they had more, they, they had a, about the same amount of cap space, but in 2000, actually second highest, excuse me, by percentage. 2017 cap was a smaller cap then. Okay. So they have a bit about 60, which is what they also had in 2017, but the cap in 2017 was 167 million. In 2021, it can be no longer, no smaller than 175. But that was in, when I say the 60, that was before, I don't, I can't remember if there were some cuts before then, because right. I was doing that was from the February timeframe. We're doing it, to do apples to orange to oranges to January. It was kind of hard because in 2016, they were in the playoffs and they were still making transactions. Right. Okay. They, they were winning Super Bowls back then. They were winning Super Bowls. God bless them. God bless them. I can't believe so, it. so let me let me cut you off there so I can ask you some follow up questions. Okay. Think, so you mentioned the the answer to my next question, which was where does this rank in the Belichick year? I think we can comfortably say very very high, right? A, yeah, one it, or right up there. Right? One one if you go by one if you go by n- number the, right. the the number two by percentage. Right. So my second question now is. Look, let's let's just take and and we could have a whole another podcast about discussing Belichick's comments a couple months ago about <laughs> their salary cap situation yeah. in 2020. There's a lot of people out there. I won't name names. I'm not picking on anybody that thinks that that's hogwash, right? Then there's people like you that are a little bit more well informed that can be a little bit more educated on the situation. I think the biggest thing though that everybody is asking now is they see this huge number, sixty and a half million. <laughs> Is there anything holding the Patriots back from going complete balls to the wall in free agency and signing anybody that they want? They could sign anyone they can, they want. Depends on, okay, but, but it depends on who they sign. Right. Okay. Their structure, the Patriots current deal structure. And I want to bring up my, because I, I hate to, you're going to see me bring up my workbook. All right. Um, so like literally, so when they sign the typical deals, all right, their deals that is to have, like, for example, good Gilmore, they sign him to a five year deal for $65 million. So people so that's well, that's $13 million a year. People will then subtract, well, $13 million off of the, that, that team's cap. That's not how the Patriots do their cap. Right. They do like a, um, first year number is usually around 13% of the total deal. And I want to go from have my 13 to 19 to 20 to 22 to 24 around those around that. All right. 
So that's what they do. So so let's say they sign if you sign a player, let's say to a hundred million dollar huh? Allen Robinson. Uh Allen Robinson's probably gonna get twenty over let's say a hundred million dollars. He might get more than that. But five year, hundred million dollars. If you sign with the Patriots, let's say let's do that. Thirteen percent of that, let's just say thirteen percent of that would be thirteen million dollars would be his two thousand twenty one cap number. It wouldn't be twenty million dollars. Right. So it so that's how the Patriots could sign several elite players to the deal if they continue with the structure. It's really up to how much cash the Patriots are willing to to allocate this year, to spend this year. And I'll say this, 2021 is the first year of the three uh of a the cash spending requirement. Right. All right. They know and I'm, I don't know. I'm pretty sure they had to, they had to have met the 89% spending requirement for the last, for the, um, the previous four years. Without a, a, the most expensive, typically the most expensive player on their roster, it's a QB right now, it'd be difficult for the t- Patriots to get to that, meet that cash spending requirement for the next three years without, if they have a rookie deal with a rookie on a quarterback, like first round rookie. That's things that you want to. So if they have, let's say they trade up and get a rookie quarterback, all right, he's going to be on a rookie deal. Now, then you got to still spend cash to reach that cash, that minimum. That's where you spend the money on, on the other players. They could go, they could spend a lot of money this year. They could. Yeah, because because we're not even talking like getting rid of, we haven't even talked about the cuts yet. (laughs) <laughs> right, we're going to talk about it. We're going to talk okay. about that, I promise. I think the biggest thing is is that the Patriots in the past have – maybe we can look at individual anecdotes of them spending big in free agencies. Stephon Gilmore, mm-hmm. uh, Gilles Thomas, maybe Roosevelt Colvin back in the day, Rodney Harrison certainly, you know, those types of moves. But we haven't necessarily seen a full-on, you know, Belichick spending spree, right? No. And that doesn't really feel like his typical MO either. But at the same time, if he's ever going to do it, now would be the year because he's got all of this at his disposal. And I'm glad that you clarified from like a cap perspective, there's really nothing hamstringing them from doing something like that if they do so feel so inclined to do it. My, my next, and the uh, other thing I want to say, Evan, is they could, teams could do what the Browns did with Miles Garrett. Do the right. double, the, use the the option bonus the way it was supposed to be was doing and handing out when I first started covering the cap in the early 2000s. So where they have a signing bonus in 2021 and an option bonus where he's practically he's gonna get that money. They're just in 2022. They could do that type of deal. Any team could do that type of deal. The Patriots could do that. They could do that type of deal. They've been doing more and more. Different things with their deals as the years have gone by. All yeah. right. So th- I am, I'm an optimist by nature. So I think they will do to spend the cash. I don't think nobody likes to lose seven, seven and nine is, uh, right. <laughs> tie. You don't like to tie. It's a 500 yeah. record. That, that's the biggest thing for me with it. And, and then we're going to get back to the questions, but it's just, 
I know, you know we all know Bill Belichick pretty well over the last 20 years. It doesn't feel like he's the type of guy that wants to continue to string together losing seasons, right? So it, right. it does feel like he would be the type of dude, uh, coach, to go out there and spend a, a lot of capital, whether it's draft capital or assets or, what, or money or whatever the case may be, to turn this thing around it as quickly as possible. The other question that I get a ton from people, and this is definitely a better question for you because I don't have the, the uh, knowledge to answer it clearly, is does it benefit the Patriots more if this cap stays at that floor of 175 or if the NFL discovers they have a new TV deal or they're going to have fans in the stands next year and they're able to get that cap uh, number, league cap number up to closer to 185, 190, which one benefits the Patriots the most? So low cap. Or high cap? I, I, I'm of the opinion, the higher the cap, the better it is for the Patriots. And I, the reason I will say this, if look, the cap is 175, there's going to be several teams who have to cut the players to get underneath the cap. Yeah. Right? Because you can't trade a player before the start of the league year. He has to be on your roster at the start of the league year, and then you trade. So you can't trade a player to get under the cap. You have to be already under the cap before you can trade a player. All right? So you got to cut some players. But who are you cutting? Are you going to cut an elite player or a great player? Or a young player, you're not. You're the kind of player who's most likely in his late 20s, early 30s. The Patriots need to get younger. Right. Yes, they will be able to sign some of those players, but you're not going to sign those players to be your core. You're signing those players to be an uh, adjunct to help the team get better. But the yes, not the guys you want to say, oh, I signed this guy, a 29, a 30 year old player, and he's made, who got cut like a Malcolm Brown. I'm done with free agency. The higher the cap goes, the more good elite players the Patriots can sign, all right? I think it's better for them, okay? I know other people on on my Twitter line disagree. They're free to disagree with me. I'm just saying if you – I think of the opinion, if you want younger players, younger great players, I'm talking to guys who are coming off their rookie deals. I'm talking like 24, 25, 26-year-old players. If you want a lot of them, if you want several of them, Good elite players, you want the cap to go up, all right? Um, yeah, so that's I'm a, that's my opinion, and hopefully I laid out why I think like that. Um, is basically the the Patriots have been trying to we're getting as not to go back, but the Patriots have been getting older. This yeah. year they started getting younger, and the Nick they could, they could continue to trend to get younger in 2021. They, and the best way to do, do so was to sign players in the 24, or 25, 26 range. Let the guys go who are in their 30s go. Yeah, I agree. And even like when we start to get up to, we just talked about Allen Robinson. He's 28 years old. He feels like he's like 32, but he's only 28 years old. But if you're talking about a five-year, $100 million for a 28-year-old receiver, I, I don't really like that either. You know what I mean? Like, because yeah. you're going to end up paying age 31, 32, 33, or what have you is going to end up being a very expensive year for a receiver that's probably going to be on the decline at that point. Those are usually the contracts that the Patriots like to stay away from. So I, I'm glad you clarified that though, because I think that there's a lot of mixed signals out there and they don't always have to agree with you, but you're always right. So I'm just <laughs> not always right. I, I, I will, at least I try to back the stuff up what I'm saying. It cracks me up with people say like some guy asked me today like you had sent out the tweet about the 11 draft picks yeah and i said there's a no they traded the one to the jets and another guy and the guy asked me i asked us again i thought they wanted the jets well like 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 
if you're going to say, I thought they did something, well, prove it. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> I, know. I was looking at a chart and they, they made a trade with the Jets and they traded into that pick and then they traded out of the pick again. And I, I got confused. That's why I ask you these things because you, uh, you always have it clarified. All right. Now we're going to get to the cuts because I think okay. this is a really important part of the equation. Also, what are the easiest ways for you to, the, for them to create more cap space? The sort of hypothesis that I could come up with, uh, especially a guy like Marcus Cannon, I, I think is someone that's in the conversation to be yeah. released. Uh, Dante Hightower's cap number could probably come down, but where, where are some ideas from you? Okay. Marcus Cannon, I thought he was going to retire before the season. Yeah, me last too. Year. So I, so he, go, let's just, Say he does retire or he, I don't think he's coming back at his number. All right. I dealt it. I think they're cutting him. All right. But let's say he does retire. That's six million dollars off, off the cap. All right. You do something with high tower, high tower. You can cut him if he doesn't. We don't know the guy who opted out. We don't know if they're coming back or not. They don't, I don't even know. I don't even know if they have a deadline to say if they're coming back or not. Yeah. Say, um, but let's say he does decides not to come back. That's over nine. That's another nine million dollars in cap space. That's fifteen million dollars. That takes you seven to seventy-five million dollars in cap space. All right. You do something. I think they're gonna trade. End up trading Stefan Gilmore. All right. That's another seven million dollars. That's up to eighty-two. All right. Um. Who else is there that's easy easy to handle? Okay. That's. I think you get if you get rid of Cannon. And Hightower, they haven't played, so they didn't play any snaps in 2020, and that creates over $15 million in cap space. All right, High t- if you trade Gilmore, you got you got worse roster on on talent wise. Right. Okay. You might get a second round pick, or maybe maybe a late round first round pick, or maybe somewhat some a good draft pick, but you got seven you got seven million dollars in cap space that you could use to maybe extend a J.C. Jackson or resign a. Uh, with Lawrence Guy or an Adam Butler. Um, there's a trade-off on that when you, but, but they could get easily cap, cap space. Hold on a minute. My, I gotta check my number. Um, there was some guy I, I'm forgetting that's easy to cut that I'm forgetting. Oh, probably one of the opt-outs. <laughs> like Dan, I don't, I'm not sure that, I don't know if Jacob Johnson's play. I think Dan Vitale is gonna get cut because I think Jacob Johnson has earned, has earned a spot on the roster. Right. But, okay. But that's, that's very little money. Here's a really weird thing. Great thing for the Patriots. They don't have a lot of players on that, on their cap with a lot of high cap, cap space numbers. No. You know saying? Cause they don't um, have the quarterback. Gilmore's contract is pretty reasonable um, for the level of player that he is. Yeah. That, that's really what it comes down to is that not only can, do they have that 60 and a half number that we talked about off the top of the show, but then you can really start to pile on the cap space. If you move on from some of these aging veteran players, oh, I, yeah. I, I, I think Marcus Cannon's had a sort of a sneaky underrated Patriot career. Uh, yes. Really solid player for them for a long time, but you obviously have two rookies this year that'd be second year players next year. And on Wenu and Heron that probably give you equal to better play at this point, production wise, I would say on Wenu definitely better Heron, maybe close to even, but yes. on a much cheaper deal. So paying Marcus Cannon, I think it's almost $10 million in cap uh, next year. If you keep him on the roster seems really unrealistic. Dante Hightower is the one that I have a difficult time with because he is, it's very, very clear 
based off the 2020 season, how much they missed his presence in the middle of the defense. And I don't know if there's an immediate substitute for that, whether it's in free agency or the draft, unless they go early, early, early with a linebacker pick. I don't know where that comes from, and I I don't know how to solve that problem without bringing Hightower back. So I guess my question is to you is, is there a situation where they could rework Hightower's deal to lower his cap number in 2021 but still keep him on the team? So it depends on how willing of a pay cut is he willing to take and if uh, the Patriots going to give him the chance to earn back the money. So that's the thing because his deal already has incentives. Right, so if you offer him a pay cut, you better. I would think that you would have to offer him the chance to earn back the money. So, so then if he does earn those incentives, it hits the, the cap of 2022. Um, or you could do something what they what they did with 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 Stefan is increase his active roster bonuses to like a ridiculously like he gets 150 thousand dollars for each game he's active for. Saying like something like that, so he or you know his playing time incentives and stuff that they would have to do. He is it really up to him? I wouldn't at his age. I would try to go year by year, and I'd be willing to willing to have some dead money next year. You know, saying because they have right now the pictures have ridiculously a small amount of cap of dead money this year. They're like less than a million dollars. So, but that's before the cuts. Um, they cleared it all out from the, they uh, cleared it all out. I mean, I don't, we're not, I, that whole BB thing. I'm like, okay, the Patriots won three, three Super Bowls in five years. I get what I I kind of get what he's saying and selling out, but I don't think he's like sold out cap wise and cash wise. I think they sold out cap cap wise. Right. Um, but that's a whole different topic. Right. Yeah, that's actually, it's a whole different topic that I mentioned that we could talk about a whole show on, but that's, I think, a really great way to, to sum it up in one sentence, right? Is that cash spending, maybe not, right? But cash spending, they definitely did everything that they could to keep that core together for as long as possible. Right. Because, because the reason why I'm saying cash is different than cash is Patriots use incentives. Right. Right. For example, they had, remember the year that Brady had $5 million incentives? Yeah. All right. Okay. That's, that, that, they actually didn't, that's $5 million in cash space they couldn't use on a player. All right. They didn't end up not spending the cash, but they still didn't, they didn't use that $5 million in cap space. All right. Same thing with David Andrews. When David Andrews was hurt last, um, in 2019, the Patriots had his cap number. But he didn't earn any of his active roster bonuses. So all that like $750,000 in cap space to his roster bonuses was, was not used by a player, but it took up a player's. Could, you couldn't use that money on a player. Right. And so, I mean, people want to talk about how much cash, little amount of papers spent from those in, during the Super Bowl years. But I will tell you, they, I know for a fact, they ended the year with very little amount of cap space. And cap space is cap space is what you do to get the players. Right. All right. 
Yep. No, that's Sorry. a great, that's a great way. No, that's a great way of putting it. I want to move on to some of the quarterback options that they do okay. have. And talk just contract with you. I think the one of the hardest things for me so far with doing all my offseason work, it's trying to figure out if they did want to bring Cam back, what is an actual realistic compensation for Cam coming back? Because obviously they're not going to get him for what they got him this past no. season. But at the same time, I don't know if the demand for Cam Newton is going to be that much higher than it was last offseason based off the way that he played this year. So coming up with a, a good estimation of what a, a Cam contract would look like is tough. And if you're going to talk about paying him any serious money, then I think that it's time to move on, if that makes sense. I, I, I can't see where you're paying like the, the bottom starters on the NFL if you're a veteran. Is making twenty to twenty-five million dollars in cap space oh a year. I cannot see that he's. So there's some guys like uh, then you got your backups. You get your veteran backups, Mac, Mac Mariota, um, Foles, and stuff like that. They're right. making seven and a half to ten to fifteen million dollars. All right, maybe you could get them that that kind of deal. All right, I be, I just say let him go. I, 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 as a person who, <laughs> I, it was, it was incredibly frustrating to watch him throw balls in the dirt. Yeah. And I, as a person who loves to skip stones in lakes during the summer, to have him do that better than I was doing it was just crazy. <laughs> yeah. I think that that's, you know, look, I, I, we can get into sort of the, the nitpicking of his accuracy yeah, yeah, yeah. and stuff like that is definitely, he was one of the least accurate quarterbacks in, in the league this year that played meaningful snaps. There's yeah. no doubt about that. Was it as bad as some Patriots fans made it out to be? No. You know, it wasn't. It's, 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 it's bad enough that I can't see where you could pay him. If he thinks he can take a start of money, and start of money is in the $20 million range, all right? And that's low stuff. Like he's thinking that you're, you're talking not top half of the right. of, of the veterans. You're talking at the bottom half. Then let him go. I, 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 if you could get him, he's not going to sign the same deal, but if he says, yeah, you sign him a deal so you can still sign, get a first round pick and use a first round pick in a quarterback. So you're still spending, let allocating your cap allocation of quarterbacks is still less than what you spent, had in dead money for Brady last year, $13.5 million. I would, maybe I would do it. I probably, I'm on the opinion, let, let, let him go, go ahead. One deal didn't work out. We got to, we, we took a low, high, high reward, low risk money right. deal on you. Didn't work out. Let's move on. Yeah. I think the biggest thing for me, maybe more so than the accuracy issues, which were obviously I just mentioned, where any metric that you go by, completion percentage over expected on target percentage from pro football reference, yeah. adjusted completion percentage by pro football focus, all of these fancy accuracy yeah, yeah. metrics, he's bottom five in all of them, right? And I think that there is something to be said more more so than maybe that, because I think that his accuracy overall could improve if he's throwing to better receivers like yes. any quarterback. But more so than that, I think is the limited capacity that they had with their, with their downfield passing game. The fact that they had to go with a 10 year veteran quarterback to half field reads 
where they only have receivers on one side of the field and he's reading a coverage indicator instead of reading the entire progression or that they had to use bootlegs and moving pockets and things like those are things that teams do with Mitchell Trubisky's and first and second year quarterbacks and guided to attack of Aloha's to make it easier on them, right? Lessen the load. The fact that they couldn't open up a passing game with him on top of the fact that they had such limited weapons around him really exacerbated that issue. Now, he definitely helped the issue a little bit with his legs, but it wasn't enough to outweigh the fact that they were so poor as a passing offense. So that's why I have sort of given up on the Cam Newton experiment Mm -hmm. because I think his accuracy would improve within the margins if they had better pass catchers, but I think that there's a limited scope of possibilities with a passing offense that he's the quarterback of. I don't think that he has the ability anymore to throw the ball consistently down the field 40 times a game where you can truly open up a deep passing attack and make your offense more multiple. It just, it felt like they were running a high school offense and we can't have that if they're going to compete for championships and be where they want to be. The next quarterback I wanted to ask you about is one that I, it pains me to ask you about him because there's so many reasons why Jimmy Garoppolo has not turned out to be the player that any of us thought he was going to be or wanted him to be if you're a fan of his. But at the same time, you know how much Bill loves him. The Niners have – Well, we know how much he loved, loved that's love, true. that's we know what we, we don't know he loves him. Loves is past tense. We don't that's know if fair. he loves him now. That's fair. And that's the thing. People keep on saying that Bill loves Jimmy G. That's based on his actions from several years ago. We don't know right. he loves Jimmy G now. I am of the opinion that I don't know how Bill, who's who keeps on saying that availability is a is an ability, can love Jimmy G. Yeah, that's a great point. And I think that the the other point that I wanted to ask you about, obviously cap wise, was it's what twenty five million this in twenty twenty one and twenty five million in twenty twenty two. And I think that it gets confusing for people when you're acquiring the contract via trade, how exactly that carries over onto the next team's cap. Okay, for example, for Jimmy G, all right. If for him, it's an easy, it's an easy deal for him because all he has left on his deal has got two years left. He's got a little bit of signing bonus proration in 2021 and 2022 and the most of his deal is rest of salary. So, that, so that's why the, the 49ers, if they give it to him, they're going to have a very little dead money. So that signing bonus proration remains with the old team. It does not go with the new team. So for example, the Patriots just, Trying to think, we just, just let's just say if they wanted to trade Stefan Gilmore, all right, he has close to nine million dollars signing bonus proration. That would, if they traded him, that remains on the Patriots' salary cap as dead money. It hap, I, just a question I get all the time. We get all the time. Yeah. Signing bonus proration remains with the old team. It go, it does not go with the new team. All right, so that's why like Jimmy G. Um, Matthew Stafford, Carson Wentz, Matt Ryan. They don't. When you look at their cap numbers on the on the very on the ot on overthecap.com, look. Don't look at that cap number and say that's going to be their Patriots cap number if they acquire. Look what what the cash that's due for them in the following year. Look at the cash. For example, in 2021, how much cash are they going to get in 2021? And if they have a roster bonus. 
it depends on when the trade occurs. If the team has paid out, like for example, um, Carson Wentz has a roster bonus, right? Matthew Stafford has a roster bonus. If the, if the tier teams trade the player before the roster bonus, that roster bonus goes to the new team. So they have an incentive to trade the player before the roster bonus is due. Right. Okay. For Jimmy G, he's got a two, if he's gonna, if the Patriots were to acquire him, he would have an API that's among the lowest for a veteran quarterback. Right. That, that's I would, I I'm, it's not a bad deal for. It's not a bad deal. I just right. don't think he's worth it. Right. Uh, for, so, so I guess <laughs> my, my other question about Jimmy is, is that his dead cap, if he's cut by the Niners, I think even starting this year is pretty yeah. low. Yeah. So, it's, really, it's, it's really low because they were able, they were one of the teams in the, who were able to had a bunch of cap space. Right. So they front loaded his deal at the beginning of the deal to allow them to do that. All right. Um, the Patriots were never going to, the Patriots didn't believe in that. They weren't a bad team. So that's like, a, they were always using their cap space. The 49ers had a like ridiculously 60, $70 million. And they were carrying over $40 million of some ridiculous numbers all the time. Right. So that, that, so the question to me for you, for you to, for me is if they do acquire Jimmy in a trade, that dead cap number still holds true if the Patriots decided after 2021 to cut loose with him, they would still have minimal dead cap. No, they would have no dead money. Gotcha. So if, that, if, because his deal, because like he has, he has his deal. They have no get dead money because the phone is ever picked it. If they, if it, when I say this, of course, folks, I'm I'm saying if you cut him before his his salary becomes due. On week one, okay, right. Every, you know, same, but the, but if you cut him, like if Patriots were to trade for him, all right, in in March seventeenth, they could cut him on March eighteenth and have no dead money. Right. So that <laughs> that element of it is, it, it's not a terrible deal. Now, yeah, no, no, it's not a terrible. It's, it's not a terrible. I just don't. Oh, I don't see. Like any other thing people say on the radio is like, is like, well, maybe you can get him to take a deal for like $15 million. Well, if he's willing to take a deal for $15 million, why wouldn't he stay with the 49ers? Right. right. <laughs> like, 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 if he was going to take a deal, like literally you think the 49ers is not going to offer him a, a pay cut and say, Jimmy, we, we, we want you to stay with the team. We, we like you, but we don't think you, we don't like your number at the number. Would you lower it? He's going to probably say no and they'll like, get rid of me. But I'm like, I don't think. If he was going to take a $15 million deal, he probably would have done it with the 49ers. Right. And I don't know why any quarterback in their right mind would leave Kyle Shanahan and George Kittle and Debo Samuel and Brandon Ayuk. But that, that's just, that's just me, I guess. I mean, that's. <laughs> I didn't even think about that. That's a great that's, point. That's just, as a quarterback, I mean, that's the most, that might be the per- most perfect scenario in all of football outside of Kansas City. You know what I mean? Like, it, yeah. Yeah. It really doesn't get any better than that in terms of scheme, coaching, supporting cast, play calling. I mean, go on right down the road. That's as good of a situation in the league as there is. All right. So you mentioned Stafford a little bit. Yep. I know you said on Twitter that you are no on Stafford because of the compensation that they would have to trade to Detroit. To yeah. I, I think he's here. getting a first round pick. So I think he, he I think he's that aside uh, though, how do you feel about it from just a cap perspective? Cap perspective. If you think he's the guy, all right, cap perspective, he's, he lets you get, he's got a low cap number the next two years. You could do the whole still draft a quarterback 
this year, next year, and you can and, and he could be your bridge quarterback even with a high light, with a high cap, relatively high cap number for the Patriots for a, at the quarterback position. Is he worth that kind of at his deal? Is he? Do you think? I think he is. I I I just don't think that the Patriots are going to be the one who comes out the highest offer. Right. No, that's, I think the biggest problem too, is because they, because they played their way into the number 15 overall pick, it's a good first round pick, but it's not a high end first round pick anymore. And I, they're probably going to end up having to package multiple picks in the deal for Matthew Stafford, which is a lot. But I, I think the only reason why I brought it up is because with Belichick, he doesn't want to lose anymore. He's 68 years old. If he can get a guy like Stafford, you create another Super Bowl window, potentially. Yes. Right? You create yes. a, probably a three-year window with Stafford as your quarterback where you can add pieces around him. You can bring, you know, have him bring Kenny Galladay with him from Detroit or whatever you want to do. Oh. And you can, you know, we're cooking with fire now, right? We're not yeah, talking yeah. about the Jacoby Brissett's and the Jimmy G's of the world. We're talking about a real uh, top 10 quarterback in the NFL at, at this point in time. At, at, a, at a bargain price. At a right. bargain price. At a, at a great price. So I'm all yeah. for the Stafford trade. I, I just, I, I do think it would be, it's a good question of do you trade the, the farm, so to speak, for a guy like Stafford, or you, do you just trade the farm to move up to draft Trey Lance, right? You know, it, right, right. It, it, it's kind of one way or, or it's, the other. It's going to be the first couple of weeks in March, right? In, right, in a couple of days when they, th- these unofficial trades happen. All right, it's gonna be crazy because some of the teams are gonna be Stafford's gonna might be on the market. Ryan might be on the market. Carson Wentz might be on on the market. You know what I'm saying? It's gonna be crazy. And there's four quarterbacks in the draft that everybody loves. So, so you you got you got four quarterbacks in the draft everybody loves. You got Wentz, Ryan, Stafford, potentially Jimmy G. Potentially, probably a more of a long shot, but Dak Prescott maybe. Oh no, comes free. I know that one. It would just be ridiculous. But basically, you're going to have nine or ten quarterbacks. When we know every single year, there's extremely high demand for quarterbacks across the league. This is a recipe for a spending spree like we've never seen at the quarterback possession. Uh, really, a battle, a race for yeah. all these guys that we've never seen before. So that would be a lot of fun from an entertainment perspective. The last free agent on the outside. I want to ask you about that. I'm going to go rapid fire with you to wrap it up with some of the Patriots own free agents. Okay. Hunter Henry. Everybody. I, knows I, Hunter he, Henry. It, it, I, I hate to make a plan on based on somebody being stupid. Okay. So the charges would have to be stupid not to tag them again and not to extend them when you have Justin Herbert on your, on your team. Correct. Um, they, could he become free? Yes. Could the Patriots then sign him to a deal similar to Austin Hooper, four years, forty million, forty-two million dollars, like ten and a half million dollars? Yes, they could. Um, then will people say, why did they get, ever give that money to Rob Gronkowski? That Rob Gronkowski's agent was an idiot to sign such a long-term deal. deal. Um, yes, I, but I would not plan on having Hunter Henry on the thing because I, I, I the chances would have to be stupid. 
Right, and they, they just tagged him already this year, but the tight end tag is so low that it's well, not. Well, it's, he's going to get a 20% raise. Right, it's not that big of, it's not that substantial. It's not like tagging a quarterback a second. Oh, no, 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 yeah. So, like, so his tag number this year would be around $12 million. Big right, 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 yeah. exactly. So those are some of the big ones. We mentioned Allen Robinson already. I think some of the other guys are okay. all yeses if they want to go that direction, you know, Corey Davis. But, or and Curtis I'll say this Curry. about a, a, a wide receiver, folks. As spent, you say, well, the Patriots won't spend that much money. A number one receiver makes the Patriots better at five different positions. Your number one wide receiver, your number two wide receiver, your number three wide receiver, your number four wide receiver, and number five wide receiver. So he can think of that way. If you improve your wide, your wide receiver's position at five different slots, that player could be a bargain, even if it's a $20 million plus player. Yeah, I, that's really well said. And the, what I wrote was, they have, to me, you know, every team now operates like they need three good wide receivers, right? Because yes. every team runs 11 personnel, the vast majority of snaps. Even the Patriots, who are a very heavy 21 personnel with the fullback, run a ton of 11 still. So every team operates on the assumption that they're going to need three wide receivers that are going to play substantial snaps. Unless you're going to count on Julian Edelman for next season, which I, I don't know if we can. Jacoby Myers is the only guy that's proven that he can be one of those three, right? So the Patriots yes. really could use two guys in that in that position in that room, and I really a complete overhaul of that room. But the most important position to me at in the wide receiver room is the X receiver. What's the X receiver? That's the guy that's on the backside of the formation, usually away from the tight end, and he's the one that takes one-on-one matchups all game long. Sometimes they roll the safety over the top if it's somebody like a DeAndre Hopkins or someone, you know, at that level. But for the most part, that's going to be your outside guy, the one that wins outside the numbers, wins over the top of the defense, your intermediate and your deep threat. And the Patriots wanted that to be Nikhil Harry. It's not going to happen, right? It's not going to be Nikhil Harry. So they desperately need a true X in this offense because I do think Jacoby Myers can play that Z slot role. I I think he can play that Edelman role. But if you're going to talk about really getting this offense back on track, upgrading that Nikhil Harry into Mere Bird spot at that X outside receiver role – that's an absolute must. Otherwise, this team's going to be just where it's – they roll Nikhil Harry and Demir Bird and Jacoby Myers out there again next year, it's the definition of insanity, right? It's just going to right, be right. results over and over again. So okay, that, I, I should say something. At the tight end spot, look at Janu Smith. I love Johnny Smith. He's a little bit okay, undersized for what they like. He's like six foot two, six three, okay. But he is a Swiss Army knife, right? I mean, he can do everything. And you could probably get him for like eight – Right. Million dollars a year. So that's that's my number one backup plan if Hunter Henry doesn't doesn't work okay. out. It would I, be. I, I don't. Th- I, I'd be. It's far more likely that Janu Smith becomes a free agent than Hunter Henry. Yeah, I okay. agree with that 100. percent And he's a, a guy that if you haven't watched him in Tennessee, can line up in the backfield, H back, inline tight end, flex him out. Uh, he threw a couple passes, I think, for the Titans over the year. Yeah. I mean, this is he plays some running back for them, is why I mentioned the backfield snaps. So he's a guy that can do literally everything on a football field. And uh, we, I know we don't like to bring up his name here, but he's a little bit like the guy that we don't like to talk about at the tight end position yeah. uh, that played with Rob Gronkowski for a few years there. <laughs> 
Yeah, um, so that that's the type of guy that I see with Johnny. So I think he'd be a great addition as well if Hunter Henry doesn't work out. Let, let's do a couple of these uh, okay. secret in-house free agents before right. we wrap it up. First one's first, restricted free agent, but still very important, J.C. Jackson. What does a con- realistic contract look like for him? Because he didn't do so well in his auditions as the top cornerback without Stephon Gilmore uh, in the lineup due to injury, but – if I was him, I wouldn't sign a deal. I wouldn't sign an extension this year. I'd play on the first round tender and then right. hope that my play, my play gets better for next year. I was like, because any deal that he signs this year would have to be team friendly. All right. I'm ner- as a person who, who thinks that, that players should max out their money. I'm nervous that Drew Rosenhaus is his agent yeah. because I think Drew owes the Patriots a favor for the Antonio Drew. Brown fiasco. Good point. Okay. So uh, what deal he should sign? He should sign a deal that has upside to it with incentives because, it, but how is he going to get like, he would have to get like pro bowl, all pro incentives. Um, and the problem, he had so many, the problem for him is he had so many interceptions this year that to make him not likely to be earned in the, for the for this year, he has to be like nine or ten. I'm like, okay, that's a high number to have for for uh, interceptions. Right. I personally think he should just play out the deal and get better the next year in 2021 and hit free agency or try to try to either reach a deal with the Patriots, try to reach a deal during the season, or become a free agent next year. If I was assigned, if I was advising the man and I said. You would ask, hey, Miguel, how, what, what kind of deal would I sign today? I would sign a deal probably in the, with at least $10 million average with the possibility of getting up 15. Yeah. And then every time, and these, and forget these incentives and stuff like that. I'm talking to, if he hits the Pro Bowl, I want guaranteed money at the end of the year. Forget these escalators. I'm like, I'm going to be, if you're going to ask me to do that, I'm going to be creative. As an agent, I'm going to be creative, and I'm going to ask for guaranteed escalator money. Yeah, I, I think that's a really good point, though, about him waiting, because I think that in some ways it might be in the best interest of both parties to wait. Because yes. the Patriots still have to figure out what they're going to do with Gilmore. Uh, they also might want to have another year with Gilmore not on the roster to see if J.C. Jackson is worth you know, thirteen, fifteen million dollars a year on a top cornerback deal. I well, really... top cornerbacks are now getting eighteen to twenty. Okay. Well, he's not getting that. He's not jailing that. <laughs> so, so, so that's right? why I'm saying to wait. If you yeah. want to get paid, if he wants to get top cornerback money, then he's going to have to wait. If he's willing to take top number two cornerback money, then he can make a deal now. Right. Really, I don't. You know, what I'm saying, but if he wants top. Number one cornerback money, he should, he's gonna have to wait. If he wants top number two money, then he can make a deal and he's still gonna give the Patriots a discount. Yeah, cause if I'm Bill Belichick and I, listen, I, I like JC Jackson, but you know that Bill Belichick likes to drive a hard bargain. If I'm Bill Belichick, I'm sitting down with JC Jackson and I'm putting up the stats with and without Gilmore and then I'm calling up his nine interceptions. Five of them are on overthrows, you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> and I'm sitting there. I, I don't want to be doing the deal. That's why I don't want to be doing that deal. Cause like, yeah. I know that, like, I'm, I'm, cause he's not going to be in the room. Drew Rolls house is going to be in that room. You right. know what I'm saying? It's and sometimes like, say, Drew, listen, he's a great player. We're glad we found him. We're glad he's on our team, but let's be honest. He's not Jalen Ramsey. 
He's yes. not Stephon Gilmore. He's not, you know, Marlon Humphrey. He's not Marshawn Lattimore. So let, let's cool it with the number one quarterback. You know, this $15 million a year thing that you have on my, on my table right now. Like, come back to me with something realistic, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. All right. Let's, okay. Yeah. yeah. So I think yeah, okay. we, we, we understand with that one. Last couple of ones here. Joe Tooney. I, I, I just, it makes the most sense in the world probably for both sides to move on. Tooney is, should get paid somewhere around $14 million a year, but I don't think any of us necessarily saw Tooney getting tagged coming. So right. I was I, dead I, I wrong on that. I was yeah, dead wrong on that. We were all dead wrong. To, I was dead wrong on that. I, I, I cannot, I'll be shocked. I'll be very much surprised if Joe Tooney doesn't sign a deal that's 50, at least $15 million. Right. Especially if he hits the, the open market as the top guard on the open market. The question is, is what's the scenario that leads him back here? Not necessarily saying he's going to get lowballed in free agency because that won't happen, but we were so taken aback by the tag. I mean, is it completely bananas to think that they could sign him now to an extent? The, the, the problem with the, the idea that they would sign him now is the why didn't they sign him in July? Right. When they had, they had, they had, they could have created cap space then and extended it, having a deal now. And now you, if you, he has to think like, if they're going to, I'm going to reach a deal, the tag, the tag me now, again, I'm talking about $17.7 million. You, you average out what he got tagged last year and what the new, new tag would get this year. That's over $16 million. Okay. So why should he take a deal that's, that pays him He's gonna less than sixteen million dollars from the Patriots. You know what I'm saying? So, so I'm thinking like, what deal could he sign with the Patriots that he? You say fourteen, maybe fourteen. I can't see him signing less than Andrew Norwell in the Jaguars, who got a thirteen point three or thirteen point five million dollar deal in 2018. That's who's who he's trying to top is Andrew Norwell, and he's and like for example. I don't don't see how he. T- I'll be shocked because I thought if they were gonna do a deal, they would have done it before July. And it's like, and and they weren't. And I've been hearing the, you know some like Jeff Howe and some other people saying they weren't close in July. So in order for them to get closer, it's not that he has to lower his his up offer. That the Patriots gonna have to up their offer because right. he's got more leverage than them. Yeah, I mean he's got he's got a ton of leverage, and I think their biggest. Uh, the hardest part for Bill Belichick from this whole Joe Tooney thing, I think, is just walking away from a player that's developed exactly the way that you would want a player to develop. Yeah, right? and somehow it never made the Pro Bowl. Yeah, never made the Pro Bowl, but he's drafted in the third round and develops into an absolute stud of a left guard that never misses a game, that's at every practice, at every meeting. You know, this is a quiet, you know, sort of – uh, mentor, you know, a guy that yeah, yeah. really everybody. Can I mean, could they to. could they keep him and have Mason on the team? Yeah, but you, you then you, you're you're talking about you, one less weapon. You that you you're talking about right. I, I did a deal at seventy five million dollars, and I'm going to look at it again. His cap number would be ten million dollars. At a, a five year, fifteen seventy five million dollars, fifteen million dollars API. His first year, 2021 cap number would be $10 million. And that's, that's a lot of cap space. That's a lot of, you know what I'm saying? For, for, and then with, um, Shaq Mason's about nine and a half. So that's close to $20 million on two guards. Right. Would they Patriots do it? I, I, I can see, I, you can make the case they could do it because 
they're paying, you might have Wynn on a rookie deal. You might have Hammond on a rookie deal. You might have, you're definitely going to have Owanu on a rookie deal. Right. All right. If you bring back St. Andrews, there's, there's where you can get a bargain. I think you might be able to get a team discount as David Andrews. All right. Because yeah. last, his last year he got, he signed for $3 million when the top centers were getting six. Okay. He signed a deal like that was half the going rate. The, the top centers now are getting about 10 to $12 million. All right. A guy from the 49ers just signed for like 10, around that kind of money. All right. So I could see that I don't, maybe Andrew doesn't sign for 10, but maybe you get him for, for six and you say, well, I got him at a bargain. I'll, 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 I'll agree to pay Joe Tooney market value. Right. Yeah. That wouldn't be a, Imagine that if you had David Andrews, Joe Tooney, Shaq Mason as your interior offensive lineman. That that that's what I you know look it, as an as a guy that understands that the trenches are probably more important than anything else in this equation on both sides of the ball as, as you know unexciting as that is for a lot of fans that yeah. get caught up in the quarterbacks and the receivers and the corners and, and rightfully so those guys are important too. It, having on Wenu Mason Andrews Tooney win and let's just assume that win's sort of the wild card there maybe you end up moving that around a little bit with a, a replacement for win that for the next three years or so I mean that's yeah. as good as it gets and any quarterback will want to play behind that line I, I can guarantee you that you know that, that's yeah you could that's you have four players okay so you have Tooney signed for five years four or five years yeah, you would have those guys for at least another three years. That's right. a, that's a great offensive line. All right. I, okay. I, you look across the landscape of the league, and you're Matthew Stafford, and you say, "Where do you want to go?" And they say, "Well, in New England, they got three guys that might be all pro offensive linemen on on one team." Then, yeah. then all of a sudden, you know, it looks a lot entice, more enticing, regardless of necessarily who you're catching the ball, uh, throwing the ball to, because you're not going to be on the ground all the time, uh, picking yeah. yourself up off the ground. All right. Very last one. Lawrence Guy, Adam Butler, James White, any of those names that I said to you just now, are you afraid of losing any of them? Think there's any reason why they might not resign them? Um, the only reason I, I, I think Guy is coming back because he's a 30 year old guy. He's, he, the Patriots probably, he signed a good deal last year with them. The Patriots hooked him up when they missed an incentive. I think he's coming back. James White, I don't know why people think everybody who pays, who loses the pay is going to go to Tampa Bay. All right. I don't, I don't, I, folks, the Tampa Bay caps position, they have, they do, they go, the Patriots are not, they're a pay as a go team. All right. So it's easy for them to create cap space, but they also have those who will play. If you sign a player for two years, $8 million, his first year cap is going to be $4 million. I don't think James White is lead. Ah. I don't think he's got to play for the same amount of money. He's got to take a pay, take a pay cut. As for Adam Butler, he is the most interesting player out there on the Patriots in terms of what other people think about him. Yeah. Cause you, I look at top 50 free agents. His name never sh- shows up on the list. No. Yeah. He could be, he's, if, if you're going to ask me, he will be the guy who you sign who might be the biggest bargain, bargain in free agent this year. Next year, I think he should sign a deal that pays him like $10 million as a defensive tackle because that's the going rate for somebody who could, with his type of skill set. If you think he keeps on getting better, 
I'm saying, yeah. and because because defensive tackles really do not get paid compared to the other guys. I'm talking about defensive edge, wide receivers, blah blah blah. He might be like you sign him for ten million dollars, but his value to the team might be thirteen to fourteen million dollars in the next couple of years. And that's what I'm talking about about being a being a bargain price. Yeah, I, I agree 100%. And I think that Butler is one of those guys that might be more popular in the NFL than it is in the media. Because thank, oh, thank he, you. He doesn't necessarily have the counting stats that people look for in, in the media, but NFL people know schematically how valuable his length, explosiveness, instincts, uh, unselfishness, all those types of things can be as an interior player on a line where he is more than willing in the pass rush to take two blockers with him on a stunt and let Chase Winovich come unblocked to the quarterback for a sack. And Adam Butler is right there next to Chase Winovich, you know, jumping up and down and, and, and celebrating the sack. Like he just got a sack. Right. And that's the type yeah. of guy that he is. Now his fit in the Patriots defense is interesting because ideally he's one gapping up the field. He's shooting gaps, right? Yeah. He's got that explosiveness and that get off. The Patriots really want somebody that is more of a two gapping, going to sit in the gap, hold his point of attack. That's not necessarily Adam Butler, but if you can get Lawrence Guy on, on your strong side, you have a true nose tackle in the middle of the defense, hopefully next year, like a Bo Allen or somebody else that they bring in. And then you put Butler on the backside of those runs. Now he can shoot gaps a little bit more. He can be a little bit more aggressive. As long mm-hmm. as he doesn't give up the cutback lanes too often, that's a that's a spot that you can really get aggressive as a, a run stuffer and pass rusher. So his his fit isn't exactly to a T as a three down player here, uh, but his unselfishness and his willingness in the pass rush to eat up blocks and and do his thing is is definitely uh, Patriot through and through. So I I would I think that they're going to get him back because of what you said. I don't think it's going to cost all that much. But maybe an NFL team that is smart, that watches the tape, that understands his value, uh, will like him a little bit better in more of like a penetrating, one-gapping type of system. Uh, it'll be interesting to see what happens with all these guys. But Butler, yeah, he's not getting any. Like only, and I'll say this: we didn't have to sign up. Like, he's not getting tagged. So yeah. like, I know he has to decide. Like, do I want to sign with Patriots now? Or do I want to sign with a free agent or become free agency? He's not getting tagged. The only player I we didn't have a chance about it. Joe Tooney. Joe Tooney has a slim chance of getting tagged. Maybe Nick Folk because the kick attack is so low might get tagged. I like. Yeah, I don't think do he like would. But tag. huh? They do like that kicker tag. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But he is so low. I mean, it's ridiculous. Yeah. ridiculously low. <laughs> um, but the yeah so. Yeah, that's that's what I got. That's what I got. Um, I think we answered all your questions, right? We answered all my questions, and uh, I can't thank you enough. This has been a long one. I knew it would be because we had a lot to talk about. And um, I can't stop talking. <laughs> Neither can I. So that's why we're we're good natural podcast because we got plenty of information out there. Uh, Miguel, I want you to talk about Hartford Habitat for me for a second, and just. Tell the audience uh, what you're doing because I think it's a great cause and it's uh, great on you to to put this first uh, with your coverage and and just tell me what is what's it about and okay, so, where people can and, uh, donate and stuff like that. Okay, so I have been doing this covering the Patriot salary cap for like 20 years. Okay, I grew up in Massachusetts. I now live in Connecticut. For the first, um, my wife and I have been blessed. All right. Um, 
even during the pandemic, neither of us lost our job. We've been lucky. I've been so, so I said, well, let me, how can I help someone else? So the beginning part, I was always asking people to donate money to a food pantry in Malden, where I grew up, Malden, Massachusetts. And now I live in Connecticut. I've been, I've been to a couple of, uh, builds for the half and half of humanity. Um, and I just figured, let, let me see if I can help someone. Let's help someone buy a house. I'm not giving them the money because they get what those guys who have who get habitat. I mean, they have to do a lot of work, and yeah. they get and they you know they have to put sweat equity. They got to take these courses and everything. We're not just I'm not we're not handing it. They're not getting me a handout, all right. So I said, let me and so I decided, let me just instead of picking, um, let me do let me pick a charity that I know that I can go to, all right. And my company, that company I work for, always has a bill day, all right. So if I did this and I started to have to make this my half and half to my chosen charity, right? I can get my fellow employees to help out with a donation, right? And and that's already happened. I mean, an employee from Texas has thrown has thrown has donated some money. An employee from Pennsylvania never met me, has thrown, saw my post on a, on an internal website. They've done that, so I was like, okay, let me do that. Um, and so I met with the half and half of that human, and I said. I think I can raise a hundred. Tell me how much a house costs. And I said one hundred twenty thousand dollars. I think I could I could raise that in a couple of years. I think if I get, I have like, I can get six thousand of my followers to do twenty twenty dollars. I can get the I, I get the one hundred twenty thousand dollars. Right. I've been getting now. I'm I got like one hundred sixteen donations, but the average amount is ninety. All right. You go on. <laughs> so so go to my pinned tweet on Twitter. I'm at Pat's Cap. Donate the money at, and, and, and I, I don't care. It's any amount of money helps. I got two years to make it. I don't, I'm going to decide if I don't, um, folks, I'm the end of the point. If I don't think I'm going to make it and I'm going to be off Twitter, I'll just take, I literally, the only reason I'm on Twitter, the only reason I'm still doing this stuff is to help raise that money. All right. If I think I'm not going to raise the money, I'm just going to stop doing this. No, don't you, don't say that. <laughs> <laughs> I, 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 but literally, I've, I've been doing this for 20, for two decades. I need, I need incentive to do this. <laughs> so literally, I love doing that, raising the, so that's the, I was like, I gotta raise the money. It's like, I gotta raise the money. But so folks, you want me to keep on doing this? Donate the money. <laughs> That's a great way to say it because there's absolutely nobody, and I, I say this as a friend, but as a colleague too, there's nobody better in the business um, with a salary cap than Miguel. You know he's at Pat's cap. I'm sure everybody already follows him. And I really mean that from myself to Mike Reese to all of us on the beat, uh, we don't look – at cap numbers anyplace else. You know, we, we all go to Miguel's uh, page on Twitter and use his numbers because they're the best numbers available to us by far. So Thank you. at Pat's cap, Hartford Habitat, his pin tweet has it in there. I'll tweet out the Harvard Habitat tweet as well. So you yeah. can get those donations up. And uh, Miguel, you know, I'm going to call on you again soon and you're not I, quitting because I'm not quitting. I'm not quitting. I'm not quitting. Not, not, not this year. Not this year. Not this year. But I, I don't I, even I, think, you know, people see us interact on Twitter, but I, I don't think people realize how many questions of my Miguel answers in DM too. Uh, you know, I, I DM <laughs> all the time. Uh, people, my friends, my friends, uh, they, they cannot believe the DMs I get from beat writers. Oh yeah. I mean, like, why wouldn't I ask the expert, you know, if somebody okay, had some questions okay, okay, and, and crack, uh, 
I don't want to mention the person's name, but it cracks me up when people in the media get mad that I correct their stuff when they could have just DM me first. I'm yeah. like, clearly, it's not my ob- – it's not – I'll say this. As a fan, it's, it, as a person, it's not my job to DM you after you something you do something. If you want – after you tweet something. If you, I'm going to – you know that I'm going to correct you. You might as well get the information coming to me first and ask. It's like, that, that's what I do. Every single time I have a cap question and I'm not sure, I just DM Miguel and he gives me the answer. And I, I, I really appreciate it, my friend. I appreciate all the retweets as always as well. Oh, my God. You've been killing like, – like, literally, you've been killing – I remember – holy cow. I think I remember when you had, like, 5,000 I know. It's crazy, right? Yeah. Uh, now, now you're, like, 23. I remember some guy being a – I don't know, mention his name, saying uh, aspiring journalist. I'm like, holy sugar, come on, guy. Be nice. <laughs> <laughs> um, Do you remember that? I remember them all, you know. Uh, <laughs> it, it, I'm one of those people, I'm going to be honest. I'm one of those people that, I, you know, I'm like Arya Stark. You know, I have that list, right? And, yeah. And when, when, once you wrong me or you, you, you cross me, you're on the list. I'm not somebody that I hold grudges. I'll be the first few minutes. Sometimes it's a bad character flaw of mine, uh, but I, I don't forgive easily. So okay, I, 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 I'll never forget that tweet because I just, I told my, I was like, what? <laughs> what? <laughs> well, I owe you a lot for that 23,000, uh, my friend. I really mean that. He's, uh, you've retweeted me and told people to follow me as much as, uh, more than anybody else. So I, 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 you deserve it. You deserve it. I, I mean, I, I, you, I, man, you deserve, that's all I gotta say. I and mean, keep it short and simple. Your work is outstanding. Thank you. Um, thank you. I think you deserved it. It cracks me. Um, I, I shouldn't have brought up that tweet because it, 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 it literally made me gasp when I read that tweet. And it's the funniest thing. But like, I'm like, now I, people talk about fans being soft, thin skinned and stuff like that. Sometimes it's the media who are thin skinned. Yeah. And I'll be the first to admit that I, uh, that I have also, you know, Sometimes I get a little bit angry on Twitter too and, and clap back at people. But if you read my mentions on a daily basis when a tweet does, you know, has a lot of replies to it. Yeah. I think people would understand when you have 50 people attacking you every single day for just having a take on a football game. Oh my gosh. I, I, I don't, I try not to read tweets during a game just because I'm like, oh, come on. It's just, it's 60 minutes of football. What happened in minute one doesn't need is the term, the game is determined already. And I was like, all right, I'm like, thank God I got fantasy football and I got to watch to keep track of my players. <laughs> uh, we got to, we, this is going to be a long podcast, folks. I apologize because I talk, you can get me talking for two hours on a salary cap. All right. Um, I'll say this folks, the, the Patriots are in good to great salary cap space. I've, I, Bill is, he's, I think he's going on the war path. Me too. I think, I, I'll say this, seven and nine is the, I think is the, imagine that, seven and nine is the worst they did with this team. And they got to seven and nine. And I think six, six, I said they'll get win the seventh one. I think Bill's going to prove me, going to do stuff. And I said this in 2000. And if people who follow me in 2000 and the news groups and mailing list, I wrote in 2001, 
I'll never forget this. I said they were making moves then to win the Super Bowl three or four years later. I didn't think they would win the Super I didn't say that thinking they would win the Super Bowl in 2001, but I did think they were making moves. Then We'll find out if they make the moves pretty soon in the next couple of months or they make them make a Super Bowl contender either this year or next couple of years. Yeah, it's amazing to me that this team got to seven and nine. It really is amazing when you factor in the COVID stuff, all the off-field stuff. I mean, this team went through uh, so many deaths from the, the players' side of things and the coaches, you know, with Bill's mom and yeah. uh, with James White's family. It, it was a very tragic season for a lot of players for many reasons, from COVID to other cir- circumstances as well. On top of all of that, they still got a very depleted roster that had plenty of holes in it with a first-year quarterback in the system to almost 500. Almost 500 with with the 14 players in the season with 14 players on IR. They had right. eight opt-outs. 14 players on IR is on the high end for them. Um, it's one of the high high numbers on for the for the on the NFL. Um, they they got the seven and nine with that roster. It's and I thought they should have won the mm, the Buffalo game for sure. Yeah. <laughs> and, and they had you know games in there against uh, obviously Seattle, Denver. I mean Buffalo the first time around. Yeah. Uh, they easily could have come out was... with with wins in those games. So uh, let's give Bill Belichick a chance. Miguel just okay. set it up for you. They have a ton of cap space. Bill still knows how to coach better than anybody else. So let, let's give him an off season or two before we uh, start to uh, ship him out of town. Like some people uh, oh my in certain places might, might be saying, but Miguel, I, I, been... I, I, yeah, I, I literally thank God I was with my, with my mother because when that guy said that Bill should have got fired, he, the guy actually said Bill should have got fired. I, I had to bite my tongue. I, it's crazy. It's crazy. I don't think that, and this is all of us. I think all of us got spoiled you know, from, from the run. And I, I don't think that we truly appreciate it all the time, just how good uh, Bill Belichick is at his, every part of his job, you know, not, not just coaching. And uh, I understand people want to nitpick about his drafts and stuff like that. Um, but trust me, folks, okay. uh, there's nobody that you would rather have steering the ship than. Okay. I'll okay. say uh, for the things about the B, Bill, the GM, let's just think about what rules that the, the, the NFL change because of the Patriots. Yeah. All right. They, they just changed change one and they might lose Nick Casario because of it. Yeah. They, 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 they Nick Casario, the practice squad thing, the compulsory pick thing. They've changed the rules because of the Patriots. The NFL's like, okay. Yeah. But Bill's a bad, bad GM. It's all Brady, right? Brady had nothing to do with the, with the practice squad, how much the Patriots paid the practice squad players. Brady had nothing to do with how the Patriots teams like the Patriots exploited the um compulsory pick thing. You know what I'm saying? And that's in the NFL has done those things to make they oh well the Patriots and the Ravens they keep on making get making onto the playoffs. We better make it a level fill level fill make it a level playing field. Let's stop them from doing that stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Well I'm sorry. No, I don't <laughs> apologize. It's, it's, it's all good. It's all great stuff. I just know that you and I, if we don't cut it off, we're going to be here all night. So yeah. And I'm going to go put something in the grocery store for my wife. She's <laughs> killing me. I told her this be a half hour call. Minutes, like, Are we going to wrap this up ever? I mean, come on. What are we doing? We got, we're going to have you on again. 
let's do this again in March when mm-hmm. we get closer and we'll do it all over again so we can talk some more about this stuff. He's Miguel Benzon, aka Pat's Cap, at Pat's Cap on Twitter, Habitat, uh, Hartford Habitat's the foundation. Make sure you donate there. You can find it on Miguel's Twitter. For CLNS Media, keep it right here. We're going to continue all season long, off season long. Every week we're still going to do the pod. Uh, we're going to have guests on. We're going to have Brad Kelly on again, who I had on last week, who we love. And we're He's going to a continue. great guest. He is great. And we're going to continue on through all the way until training camp and into the next season. There's no breaks here. I promise you that. So uh, for Miguel Benzon, I'm Evan Lazar. After an hour and 15 minutes, (laughs) thanks for listening.